everybody. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly. Somebody asked me what RZ Weekly stands for. RZ stands for Religious Zionism. So that would make us Religious Zionism Weekly. But we also talk about modern orthodoxy and everything in between. My name is Ruben Spolter. I am the founder and director of the online education platform called Kita. Contact me to learn more about it. I'm here with Rob Johnny Solomon, who happens to also be our educational director, but he's also involved in many, many, many other uh, uh, projects and educational issues and teaches all over the world. Uh, and with Rabbi Malibrovsky, who uh, teaches and is a social worker. Today we're going to discuss Tradition's recent symposium on Jewish thought in a contemporary world, educational challenges and goals. And being that Johnny and Molly are educators, and Molly was the guest editor of the symposium, I will turn it over to her to introduce and discuss. Molly, why? Actually, I won't turn it over to you. I'll start with the questions so you can ignore me like you always do. Why, symposi- <laughs> why is it, was there a symposium on Jewish thought? And do you think that you were successful in addressing educational goals, challenges, and goals in your symposium? Okay, Did you do a good job? Did we do a good job? Okay, so I happen to think we put together an excellent symposium. I'm quite proud of it. Um, why did we Why did we talk about Jewish thought? So I actually I actually posed that question to um, you know the the people who were working on this uh, this journal who had suggested that that we put this together. Um, first of all, tradition is a journal of Jewish thought. Um, and the questions, I think, I, I think the, the reason they wanted to put, the, to put this symposium was together was, be, I think the questions that we were trying to ask people was, first of all, how do you define Jewish thought? Second of all, how is Jewish thought affected? We tried to f- cover a range of educators, thinkers, philosophers, Israel, America. Um, I, I, we had, tried to get a, a broad spectrum in there. We wanted to know how Jewish thought affected them, and we wanted to know what they thought um, the goal was of teaching Jewish thought, and if, if it was being successful, Johnny seems to be laughing out there over there in the corner. Um, no, no, I just saw something. Okay. Nothing. Don't He's reading worry. tweets. It's fine. It's okay. Um, were we successful? I think that we were successful in the sense that we, we what ended up happening was that we got a, a whole bunch of really good pieces that I hope will spark thought and conversation, which is what I wanted to... I'm interested in asking you what you thought, right? So, so let me just quickly... Um, give a little bit of an overview of the, we gave people a pretty broad, we gave them, you know, a series of questions that they could choose to answer all or none of, um, which are in the, in my introduction, if anybody wants to look at it. When The way I frame the question, the reason I think Jewish thought is meaningful is because I think Jewish thought is a, is a tool. Wait, 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 what, what is Jewish yeah. thought? Oh, so that was one of the questions. How do you define Jewish thought? That was one of the questions we asked people. Is it a discipline, right? And so the more academic people were like, yes, it's a very formal discipline. And, you know, it, 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 you, you know, you have to be a Jewish, it, you have to fall into a certain category to be considered a Jewish thinker or a Jewish philosopher. Others um, said, no, Jewish thought is anything that engages with the question of meaning within Judaism. Um, so that's, that was actually one of the questions that we asked. Um, but again, so for me, the issue was um, engaging in Jewish thought, however you want to define it, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second, means that you're engaging in thinking about meaning. Right. And for me, it's also important because it means that you're committed. If you're going to do it properly, you're committed to doing that with complexity and depth. And those are two values that I think are really, really important today. I think people are thirsty for meaning. And I think that there is a tremendous lack of ability to think deeply and to discuss things with depth, depth and complexity. And so for me, uh, it was quite refreshing to to um, 
to, to edit and to receive and to engage with the, with the people who responded on these issues because they were all responding in a way that showed that they too were committed to those values. So I'll just, I don't know if I want to go through all the, you know, maybe it's, I don't want to take up so much time, but just quickly. Um, so Dr. David Schatz, who's been teaching, who's my, actually, you know, my mentor and teacher in, in, in Jewish philosophy, gave an incredible overview of what he's been doing for the past 20 years and, and, and like a, just an academic skira of the world of Jewish thought. Yitzhi Blau also, I think, gave a very, very good kind of philosophical, like, argument for why Jewish thought is, is valuable. We had two autobiographical perspectives, which were Yosef Bronstein and, and Daniel Reinhold, who explained on a personal level why Jewish thought was meaningful for them in terms of their search for meaning in their life and for Jewish meaning in their life. David Bashevkin, by the way, is the one who Ruby would argue, he's like, Jewish thought should not be narrow. Jewish thought should be defined broadly as anything that brings meaning to life. He said more than that, but he said that. Um, um, Dov's, Rav Dov, Rav Dov Zinger from Makor Chaim, his was the most interesting in terms of like, he just, he, he like, he didn't answer like anything about Jewish thought. He's like, you shouldn't teach Jewish thought, you should live Jewish thought, and therefore this is what I think you should be doing with your students, right? And then he basically like... He's one he, of the only ones that, well, Yeti Blau also, but address it as an educational challenge. And that seemed to have been the, I mean, the topic right. was okay. so, so to educational fair, challenges okay. and goals. One second. So, so to be fair, both Cheryl Berman and Julie Goldstein. I mean, and in too. your questions also, you were like, yeah, Cheryl Berman did also. You were like, how do you teach it? And, and so some people right. did okay. address so, okay. it. So Cheryl also said, like, um, this is a challenge for today's educators because the problems of the day can be addressed by Jewish thought and should be. And, and, and Julie Goldstein also gave her approach, right? She, she believes that academic uh, Jewish thought is the answer. I'm just seeing if I left anybody out. Natana Wiederblank also as an educator, right? He said, as a Rosh Hashiva, why did I start a class in Jewish thought? And he explained why. Also saying that he, th he thought that, th that that search for meaning was, you know, th it would fill in that gap for that search for meaning. Um, and I think I just want to make sure I didn't leave anybody out. Oh, and Yoel Finkelman was just like, oh, I just care about the fact that people think complexly. I don't really care what they think, which was interesting. Um, yeah, so that's everybody. I just wanted to make sure I covered everybody, but I, you know, I didn't want to leave anybody out. But... So wait, yes. Yeah, so what was your question? That that's like my overview. Now, I guess your question was: so did they engage with the question? I, what I found fascinating was that everybody came to this question from their own perspective and gave their own angle, but they also kind of opened up questions and issues for other people to think about and to take a step so, further. So I guess my question more was like: I understand Rav Dove's whole perspective. I really do. Yeah. Uh, what did you like? What were you looking for? Like, I was trying to understand when I was reading. I didn't read them all. When I read the articles that I read. You know, okay, we're going to have a symposium on Jewish thought. And basically, Jewish thought is so open that anything that brings me, it can mean anything. And you can write about anything you want. What did or you want to... Or can you? That's what, what did you, you could. You could. And you could not answer oh, the I, question. Oh, I'm Miriam Feldman K. Talked about postmodernism. For, I forgot to mention her. Yeah, sorry. Because okay. that's her field. Uh, meaning, what did you, what did you uh, want to accomplish in this symposium? Usually a symposium is about like, you know... Israel and the Palestinian problem, challenges and uh, opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it addresses a specific issue. But here, like, other than like, write about something connected to teaching Machshavet. No, it's what about. What do you want to? What do you want me as a reader? Okay, what like, I want. Why would I want to? Why would I want to read it? And what did you want me to get at? Okay, so for me, I think it's it's beside. I, I think I think what I wanted you to get at, me personally, is 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 Jewish thought a potential tool? to enrich our Avodat Hashem. 
That was really my question. But to be able to answer that, you have to go through the first couple steps, which are what is Machshav Yisrael? How do you define Machshav Yisrael? Why are you attracted to Machshav Yisrael? How do you teach Machshav Yisrael? But for me, that was that for me was the kind of driving question, right? Can this be a tool to enrich people's Avodat Hashem? And if so, how? Right? That's the question that interested me. Okay, and the answer is, Johnny? Well, the, the answer, when we talk about the answer, I think that's part of the problem. I think there are a variety of No, answers. come on, that's an obvious uh, one. That's like enough. a softball. Can Jewish thought be a tool for Avodat Hashem? But the answer is obviously uh, yes. I, I, it's just I, I, how do you how? make that happen? Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, I, I was particularly I was like, moved. I was like, you know, uh, gear you up for like a home run. And you're like, what do you right, mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I, I was particularly moved by Natana Wiedeblank's uh, uh, response, which uh, strongly emphasized how it can and it should, and that should really be the motivation yeah. of the engagement with Jewish thought. And I and I deliberately use that language. In some of the responses, those discussions about the study of Jewish thought or the teaching of Jewish thought, I take uh, the approach uh, somewhat modeled by Rav Dov Zinger that really we should be discussing engaging with the Jewish thought of others and the Jewish thinking of ourselves. And if that's what happens, if we are much more thoughtful as Jews and those thoughts orient themselves about our relationship with God and Torah and the Jewish people and the world around us, that certainly should give us greater clarity and understanding in terms of what we do and why we do what we do. Uh, And what uh, Daniel Reinhold explained is by engaging in the study or the teaching or or pondering the just thought of others and self we sharpen the skills in terms of figuring out how to uh, attach the ideas we've come across and the disciplines we we encounter with the life we want to and lead. I want to just add to that 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 was something that Daniel Reinhold said in, in the podcast that we that tradition podcast we did with him and I thought that was a very beautiful insight he said one of the strengths of, of the Jewish tradition is that it's always grounded in texts, right? So that even, even as Johnny said, there's so much room, there's another thing he emphasized, there's so much room for so many different approaches within Judaism, but we always go back to certain foundational or grounding texts. And that keeps us kind of bound, disciplined, connected, um, you know, it keeps us from kind of spiraling off. It keeps us, it keeps us disciplined as a, as a people. And as a religion, and I thought that was a very nice idea, right? The, the idea that that we're, we're trying to kind of, how do you balance individual meaning, right? With some type of, um, some type of framework that's gonna hold us, right? Those, the, essentially, you know, as, as John is kind of pointing to, these are the questions that we're all struggling with today, right? It's like, we all want meaning, we all want individuality, but we, we're, we, we all are also aware that if we don't hold a certain, if there isn't a certain objective framework that holds us in, Right, like like boundaries that we that we that we're all part of, um, we're gonna lose. We're gonna just fragment off, and so so Daniel Reinhold's argument was it's the texts. It's it's we, we're always coming back to those same texts, and I thought that was a very nice way of balancing those two ideas. Like there's so much freedom within Jewish thought, but but because we're such we're still such a textual people, we're still gonna we're still gonna remain very very grounded, and and I would add have common language and have have. Have ability to still communicate with each other because we're still using the same um, kind of source material. You don't think it's faith and values, not text per se. I mean, the what faith text and are values are embedded in the texts. Faith right? and values are in um, which text? I'm, I don't really. I, okay, I, I, I. Meaning. You you know me. I, Johnny I, knows me. I'm I never. I, I'm 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 not the naysayer in this, but I'm just I'm. 
you know, at Chata'ai Ani Mazkir Hayom. I'm not a philosopher. I never enjoyed the study of philosophy per se. There are aspects of Jewish thought that I love very much. I love studying Agadah. I love studying, you know, Ma'amari Chazal. I think much of the study of Chumash and Nach is what you would consider Jewish thought. Correct. But studying a philosophical work or, you know, reading a philosophical work and, you know, the deeper thinking questions just never appealed to me. Okay, so that's so, Dilma Bashevkin's right, point. So, right? Oh. Dilma Bashevkin would say, don't therefore think that you're not engaged in Machshev Yisrael. When you're learning, you know, Agadot Chazal. Oh, 100%. 100%. Right? Um, so, so that being so said, so the, the question that I have is, and I think this is a fundamental question, is, uh, like you said, we have a common, a common text. I don't know if that's what, what binds us. When you think us, like I was thinking to myself, who's us? Who are we right. that, that has this common text? Are you talking about all Jews? Are you talking about all believing Jews? If you ask Chazal, you know, you would say, who is Amcha? Amcha, The person who follows the, the same, they talk about it as practice, not even the same beliefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the thing that binds us is our common practice and not even as much as our common, common values. And if you would ask me today what the, the problem plaguing the Jewish world, I mean, I, I think it's very important to be enriched, and I'm obviously in favor of studying Jewish thought and all that. But I don't think that children abandon religion because of philosophical problems okay, or because so of ideological problems. That's a different point. Wait, wait, uh, and that's not meaning like, you know, Cheryl Berman wrote about mm-hmm. kids have all these problems and all these issues. Yes, they do. But I, I've yet to meet a kid that, like, had a problem, read an article by Rev Shagar, and it's like, oh, okay, now my problem is solved. Because they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not engaging in their Judaism in a faith kind of way. They're not re- they're, I don't see that at all. Most of the kids, they're, they're raised a certain way, they act a certain way, and, and they, maybe that's the problem. They're not embracing it from a, from, a, from a, like, I think that's what Rev Dove is trying to address. He's saying, they're not, they're not intellectually pro- problematic, they're emotionally disengaged. Correct. They want to be. They want to be passionate. Yeah, so, so all of these discussions about, and that's why that's where my disconnect is. I think philosophy, philosophy is wonderful, and you know, I also want to see the deeper meaning of tchelet, and you know, and mitzvot uh, kavanah, and the deep connection to kavanah. List any topic. That's all fine and good. But is is that the core problem facing you know the Jewish people today? I don't see it. So I'll, I'd like to respond with an analogy. Uh, some of you may, or both of you may know that I play the piano, oh, um, I suppose, to a mediocre level. You're um, pretty good, I've heard. It's hard, but, for, uh, hard for mediocre. Whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was young, uh, my heart really wasn't so much into piano playing, but I had lessons because that's what, you know, some parents do to kids. And I'd play the notes and I'd play them adequately and knock out the tune, but... It wasn't with meaning and it wasn't with passion. I didn't really look forward to the lessons. And there was a kind of tipping point, maybe around about Bar Mitzvah, where I started to make sense of the melodies of the music, where there was meaning behind the music rather than the mere instruction of playing the music. And once I understood the meaning behind the music, not to a profound level, I didn't read studies or you know essays, but I understood that Beethoven was trying to say something. Uh, even if I probably misunderstood what he was trying to say, and I gave myself permission to reflect on that, then my whole engagement with the piano playing shifted dramatically, and I was passionate, and I put in the time to practice, and I got better, and there was a sense of connection between me and the notes I was playing. Now, if we, if we uh, use a metaphor of music notes to halakha, 
and a sense of understanding of what those notes represent being Jewish thought. I'd say it's perfectly possible for people to live a halachic life and, and play the notes as they appear on the page. But you generally find a more passionate uh, Jew who not just plays the notes but understands in some measure or has some kind of comprehension as to what they represent. And even if they don't have a comprehension of what the composer said, like Stravinsky said when he instructed people to play his music, he said, play expressively. I don't care if you play it like I want you to play it or somebody else, but if you play it expressively, you're playing these notes authentically. I think Jewish thought uh, and, and engaging with Jewish thought of others and ourselves is the art of pondering the notes of halakha and considering the meaning which thereby inspires us to put more time, effort, and energy into living. The so, Johnny, I love, I love that um, explanation. I thought it was very beautiful. First of all, uh, I, lo I love the example of parents uh, forcing their kids to have piano lessons. And uh, that always reminds me of the beautiful explanation of Maharal and Rav Kook on so just leave that if you want to know. Send me an email. I'll send you a link to the shear. But it, it, that helped me deeply understand a, a core motif. In, not, Molly's nodding. You know what I'm talking about, I assume, Molly? Right? Yeah, and I, I, okay. I also I just want to say that I totally agree with Johnny that he just, as usual... Wait, 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 wait a second. But oh, by yeah. that definition, by Johnny's definition, yes. his argument to me was an argument not to study Machshevet Yisrael. Okay. Because... Because what, what Johnny said was, they forced me to make people play piano, and at some point I listened to the notes, and I, and I intuitively heard what Beethoven was saying and what Bach was saying, and it, it had meaning to me, and that meaning to me gave me a desire to learn it and to do it on my own. And wait, That's wait, why I separated no, between studying no, 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 Jewish and no, engaging wait. with So Jewish. all I need yeah. to do is train Sorry, a child to do, wait, to do, to do, this is what we do, this is how we do it, you know what I'm saying? Find your own meaning. Think about why it's meaningful to you. And you don't have to study why, you know, why the Maharal said it, or the Kuzari says this, and the Rambam says that, and it doesn't really matter. Find meaning for you. Find your passion in it. It's very like New Agey, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that will cause you to become, because that's the analogy that you described. No Wait. one studied the music theory with you. Nobody shared with you. No, there was no deeper learning. Not, not quite. Not I know Marty wants to say something. When I say I found meaning in it, that's not in complete conflict with how Beethoven was playing the music. Meaning, I heard how Beethoven, I listened to those, do you remember records, right? And tapes. I listened to those. But that doesn't mean I mirrored those. I had a sense of what he was doing, and I tried to, uh, you know, shall we say... Yeah, exactly. That, and nobody brought you a book and said, but here, read this. You would have said, correct, you know what you would have said? Okay. You would have said, forget that. I want to play jazz. Right, okay, Marty sorry. wants to... Oh, sorry. by the way, I have to stop you. Johnny said, you remember tapes? We brought up a tape this week. We were talking about, like, cassette tapes. My daughter, who's 10, looks it up and says, what's that? Yeah. Just like to share that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm, first of all, of course, Johnny said it as usual more beautifully than I could have possibly said and used an analogy that was perfect. But what I would say is again, wait, like, wait. Answer my point. I want to like okay, why, like, okay, why so study? I wanna, wait. Okay. So, so again, I, I think you should read David Vashevkin's David Vashevkin's piece because David Vashevkin. I did. I did read. It. Okay, I did so read it. It was for he, him. That was good for him. No, no, no. He was saying what you're, you, you and Johnny are saying. He's saying. Um, First of all, he was arguing that all of Judaism, right? All of Judaism is one large 
symphony, I guess, to use Johnny's analogy, right? And that there's deep meaning and that all of the notes connect with each other and there's an, and, and come together in a deep and meaningful pattern. And then he was saying, therefore, though, you have to learn how to how not just to play the notes as johnny's saying but to learn but to learn what the meaning is behind the notes now he would argue like you that that doesn't mean you have to read the the rambam or or rav shagar he, he argues passionately that you could learn it in the, it could be in the gemara and it could be in as his example is it could be in yishai ribo right so i don't want to get off you know you could make it up but the point is his point is Judaism is one large symphony with tremendous meaning. And, and so as a Jewish person, Jewish thought is about finding the meaning behind the notes. And it's not, it's not just an amorphous meaning that you make up for yourself. It's, there's, there's an objective meaning out there, right? You're connecting to something real that's behind the notes, that's beyond the notes that real. It might be, though, that... Ruby will will resonate with a certain node or a certain what's it called like a section of the music, and somebody else will resonate with with a different piece. But they're all going to be plugging in to something that's beyond that's real and meaningful beyond it, and hopefully seeing the meaning in that individual piece will help them see meaning. and And he argues for this: try to live an integrated life, which I think is another beautiful point that he makes. Right. You, the more pieces of meaning you can find in the behaviors that you do as a Jew, and not just as a Jew, as a human being, the more you can integrate that into a, a larger vision that makes sense to you, the more religiously integrated you'll be. So I, I just want to go back to Wait, what so you said. how are we right? So how do you, like... Okay, so okay, so now... I'm we're all in favor. All in favor. Right, we're all in favor. I. How do you do that? Okay, so, so yeah. again, so I think like, how, do you so how do you teach to that? Because people okay. don't live their lives thinking... Gee, I mean, we Wait had so chicken croquettes for dinner. What's okay. the meaning of the chicken croquettes? Okay, so, like, so I'll, I'll tell you what we're... And I don't, I don't mean that facetiously. I mean, no, 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 no. people so live I'll, their I'll lives. I'll tell you what the people in the symposium argued, and then maybe I'll try to see, say what I think, right? So Rav Dove argued what you said, which is like, just first teach people how to experience their religiosity and experience God, essentially, right? Don't teach them about, teach them to be. That's basically Rav Dove, right? Just... Be mindful, be present, be, be, be aware of yourself, be aware of God's presence, be aware of God's presence in the world. That's what he wants from people, right? Um, that, now, again, now Cheryl, right, interestingly, I, I found this interesting because Cheryl, I think, herself is an intellectual seeker. And she found in her life the people that gave her meaning actually were the Jewish thinkers, not... Not the academics, right? Julie Goldstein says, you know, you'll find it in the Rambam and you'll go into the... And again, there may be many people for whom her approach works and she actually has an entire seminary dedicated to this, right? Where it's like, you know, if you can find passion in academia, you can find passion in academic Jewish studies and, and if you can, you know, you can like discover that the... Fine, so that's not going to speak to Ruby, right? Cheryl's not actually... No, I know that. what Cheryl's, real academic Jewish studies are and if she's really teaching real academic Jewish no, studies, she's not, whatever, it's dispassionate. We'll leave that aside. Sorry. It's in a whole different conversation, right? But... <laughs> Cheryl's I don't want to attack. I don't want to attack her also without her being here. I don't want to. In reading the books, right? Not necessarily, or, or in, 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 in searching for her own answer within the books. And I, I don't. Just, I shouldn't speak for her because I don't know if she would say it that way. Um, but whatever it is, she she did find meaning in in finding people who spoke to her needs. And I have to tell you, are there people for whom like? They're struggling, and you say, read, you know, read Rav Luchtenstein, read Rav Shagar, and they're like, oh, Rav Shagar just answered my questions. I have had students like that, right? However, so I don't want to totally write that off, but I think that you're also right that how do you help people find meaning? 
I think at the end of the day, you just have to have ongoing discussions with them about meaning. You have to ask them um, what, like, it has to stem from them. What are their questions? What do they think their answers are? What, what rings true for them? And then when they, you know, if they say to you, well, well, this is the approach that speaks to me. Well, then you can pull a book off the shelf and say, you mean like this guy, right? And then, and then that guy, whoever it is, right? Or, you know, whatever text that is, can maybe speak to them and then take them deeper, right? So like you have to, you have to it's not a one-time magical potion and it's not uh, one specific text and it's not even one specific Jewish discipline. But I think you have to start with, 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 with I agree with Rifto, first of all, Judaism has to be experienced and it has to be loved. And then when it comes to like, how do, how do people find meaning? You have to ask them, what does Shabbos mean to you? Why do you think Shabbos is important? Right. And, and, and yes, they can learn six. You, if you want, you could have a, give a course on Shabbat and give them six different approaches. Maybe one of them will speak to them or not. You could just have a conversation. Right. And see. So what, I'm not again. So we're back to the beginning. I don't understand. So how, well, I'm a teacher. I, I, you know, first of all, I don't know if they I, have Machshev Israel in America. Do they, some of them do, some don't. Most don't, from what I know. So I'm the, I don't know, 10th grade Gemara teacher in, you know, Yeshivat Framaz. You know what I'm saying? In Tenafly, New Jersey. Am okay, I so for, is there a curriculum? Am I supposed to teach Machshev Israel? Am I supposed to just bring up discussions so again, with the kids? So, so that's a question for like, American educators. What am I educators. supposed to do? So that's a question for American educators. Again, that's why I think, again, I'm going to plug my, the next podcast, well, which, which is the conversation with you, the channelist, which is they're trying. They, they're trying. They, they're, they're in conjunction with Rav Dov, with a few other programs. They're trying to actually do this with their students. And they actually... No, no, that's not success. what I asked you. I didn't say how to teach Rav Dov's curriculum. I know what Rav Dov wants. No. That's but, not that. I'm, I'm not is, criticizing. That's where Rav Dov's shita is very important, I no, think. But I don't Rav know if it'll work. But Rav Dov's shita is to also infuse meaning into the texts. Right? When you're learning... What text? Any texts. Any and all texts. Chumash. Um, Gemara. Not Gemara. I can tell you that. You sh they should be. They would argue that yes. Okay. They would argue. Of course, of course there should be meaning in Gemara. Right? No, Even no. I'm not saying that... He, of course there should be meaning, but that doesn't mean that... They, that they do it, or that his achievement does well, it. Well, so they, hopefully they do. Do they have a class in Machshev Israel? I'm asking you, most schools. I, I don't know, but again, so... Or is the Chumash teacher or the Gemara teacher expected to, to teach it to them? Right. So again, so that's what actually, the, the, I think uh, Rabbi Wiederblank made that point. He said, that's why I believe there should be a Machshev Israel curriculum because his wife was educator, it might be in a high school, yeah, right? right. She, the student said to her, we have all these questions. She said, we answered that when we learned Sefer Devarim. And, she, and, and the, the kid had it connected the dots. So, so Rabbi Wiederblank was like, right, we need to teach it as a sugya in Machshev Israel. So you're echoing his call. Okay. Fair enough. I'm in favor. I agree with him. I'm glad I agree with him. Johnny. I, you know, I'll just pause for a second because I, I, when I read that, and I'm a big fan of Sefer Dvarim, I wrote a lengthy curriculum about <laughs> Sefer Dvarim last year. Right? <laughs> Sefer, Sefer Dvarim is the most important book of the Torah if you want to understand what we need to believe and how we should relate to a whole variety of internal, external forces. And putting aside Rav Kook and the Rambam of Soloveitching Rabbi Sachs, the very fact that we, and not forget kids, many Jewish adults are almost entirely unfamiliar with Sefer Barim, <laughs> aside from studying it as discrete, you know, portions of Machshavet Yisrael, is part and parcel of the issue. 
you, you know, a lot of the authors here said Machshev Israel can be encountered through traditional texts and can be encountered within specific tomes, shall we say, of Jewish thought and Jewish philosophy. But if we don't know Sefer Dvarim, just as one of the Chamishachum Shei Torah, I think it's, it's almost impossible to fathom even the greatest of ideas in some of these greatest of books, because that's the foundation. And what we need to try and do is not just, I agree with uh, Natanel Wiederbank, and say we need to give discrete, focused, uh, and, um, and thoughtful courses about Machshev Yisrael, but he would also agree, but we also need to know the psukim from the Torah from which they emerge, and know that these aren't just mere ideas of rabbis from you know yesteryear and today, but they emerge directly, not with a very, very circuitous route, but instead directly from the psukim of the Torah, which talk about understanding to God and having a sense of awe uh, towards God, which talk about what it means to have identity in a country which you enter, where there are people serving different gods, which talks about how you relate to the world of the material when you're supposed to be pursuing the spiritual. All of that and so much more is in Sefer Dvarim, and, and we need to know that too. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an advocate for some of the ideas that, that were discussed in uh, in this symposium, I think some are beautifully and uh, profoundly expressed. I think, it, obviously, there are conversations that still need to be had, and, and some may resonate with some authors and, and writers more than others. Nevertheless, we need to give people the opportunity to ponder ideas which are central to being a Jew, because uh, we can't ask people to live a Jewish life if they don't understand what that means. Living is a halakha, understanding what that really means, emerges from a, a, a reflective uh, individual who has thought about notions of relationship with God, and those are expressed in Machshav Israel, are most potently expressed in the Torah, in Sefer Dvarim, just by chance. And that, that's a good segue from what she did to what he said, I suppose, to to my contributions here. Molly, can you just give us a little bit of a summation? You know, you, you, you spent tons of hours, I'm sure. I can't even imagine how many hours you put into this project. What do you, you want the reader to, again, like, we spent an hour discussing it, 45 minutes discussing it. You'll feel successful having participated in this project if or when Finish sentence. Okay, so when, when conversations happen exactly like the one we just had, and I really appreciate this conversation because I think that what you did, Ruby, was push for how, how do I translate this like philosophical concept into something that's going to actually impact my life, right, and the lives of our children and the lives of our communities, um, and and like the Jewish people, like how do you, like how do you make this real? Like people said some very beautiful things, but like, what does it mean for for real individuals in their real spiritual um, relationships with God, and in their in in their sense of themselves as as living their Judaism? I'll, I'll just end there. So actually, That's I want to end up. This, this reminds me we started with. We, somebody, one of you mentioned Rabbi Sachs, and it's worthwhile to bring it back because I think we also need to think more about how, and I think, I know teachers think about this, 
but rabbis and writers, I know Johnny thinks about this a lot, how to relate things that are going on in the world to Jewish ideas. And, and we, we need more of that because I think most people, and like I always go back to like one of my favorite Jewish philosophers is C.S. Lewis. And I, I really mean that in the, in the deepest sense that like, I mean, his, his screw tape letters is like the Musa Sefer that I go to every year. And I, I think so strongly about the beginning of the, of the book when he's like, the screw tape is like, oh, I had a guy and he was in a library and he started thinking about real things. And I just like, that's a really good question. Let's go have lunch. And I took him outside and I showed him a bus and, and then he saw a newspaper and I was like, whew, I almost thought about real things. You know what I'm saying? And, and we live in, the wor in a world today of distraction and football videos on YouTube and, you know, cooking videos and anything but meaningful and real and connecting these values to our, our daily lives. And yeah, I guess maybe the reason I never connected to philosophy or Jewish thought in the abstract is because I'm a very tangible person. I want to know what does it mean to me? What is like, how does it, how can it impact me? I don't want to study it in the abstract. And I guess my call to, to action would be to Johnny, because that's what he does, is, is to continue to do the things that you do. And the people that are listening, there are a lot of people that listen who are Rabbanim, and to say to yourself, how is it that you can take these ideas that are so meaningful to you and to make that something that connects to Jews who are living very, very busy lives, that aren't going to take the time to study the Maharal inside, but don't understand that this Philosophical, philosophical issue or this idea is something that they care about very deeply. And maybe Molly, maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, it's, it's got to be each person on an individual level, but it has to be something that's, I would say, part of the curriculum, part of the discussion in a very real way, because unless you do it intentionally, it's never going to happen at all. Senator Rabbi Sachs, I think, is a perfect model of that, which is, that's what he, that was his genius, and I think that's why his loss was felt so sharply was that he did Marsheva Israel every time he talked. And it didn't matter if it was covenant conversation on the Tanakh. It didn't matter if it was, you know, an overtly philosophical conversation, right? He, he was the master of, of bringing Jewish ideas um, into relevance, right? Con through text into relevance for individual lives. And I think it's, he's the perfect place to kind of, he, he lived this and he, he taught this in a very real way. Johnny, looks like you, were, you had something to say to add. Uh, well, I'll, I'll actually end with uh, a musing that I thought about when reading these essays this morning, which I shared with you. And I said, you know, in Halakha, we have the Shulchan Aruch codes, which are kind of um, talking about general cases written for the general masses. And then we have Sheilot Truvot, which deal with complicated cases which arise on a person-to-person -person basis. Talking about, shall we say, exceptions to rules and hard questions that haven't necessarily always been predicted. And I said, you know, in Machshav Yisrael, a lot of the books we have, the great books, the brilliant books of brilliant thinkers, talk often about general issues and general case cases and trying to give meaning to things that many people are bothered by. But what we don't have many books on, and I don't even think it can ever be fully put in a book, are the responses to individuals in crisis who have individual queries, who seek guidance from not the world of Halakha, but from the world of Agadah and Machshava. And I, I think one of the reasons why maybe even people like me, and, I, and I'm a fan of Machshava Israel, but nevertheless, 
uh, I put more time and more energy, shall we say, in understanding the thinking within halakha, and I don't think that's a contradiction in terms. But one of the reasons, perhaps, why I struggled with some courses I took years ago in Machshev Israel is I was reading these kind of general statements about life itself, and I was interested more in the individual encounter with God. And returning back to Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Sachs, not just as you're right, was a master in doing so, but he did something which is quite extraordinary. He spoke generally, and it was heard individually. You know, that's, that's a, a gift which is almost impossible to be replicated, that he spoke about things that everybody should know, and yet all of us heard it in our own way. I think uh, a few other teachers in the past century had that gift. Um, but nevertheless, we need to know that people want answers to general questions, but they do have personal struggles. And we need to encourage people just not just to ask Shailot to Poskim or Poskot, right, about questions that arise, but be prepared to pour out their souls, sometimes about matters of the heart. And you both know that uh, I answer halachic queries, but I also give something called spiritual coaching. And through that means I sometimes encounter people or people seek my guidance in this realm. And the answers aren't in books, but the answers need to be found through, through reflection, through conversation. And where are those answers found? And I'd go back to what Daniel Reinhold said, through the discipline of thinking that one learns through Machshev Israel to apply it to the particular situations that each of us encounter that perhaps haven't been previously written about, but certainly need a response that, shall we say, brings some kind of comfort to the heart and soul. All right. I think we'll leave it here. Uh, fascinating, deep discussion. Mali, yashar kochech on your very hard work, l'hagdil Torah, to get people more involved. It should spur many more conversations, many more podcasts, Amen. not our podcast, but many more other podcasts, and uh, many more discussions, and hopefully bring people closer to living meaningful, deeper lives. I want to thank Molly Brasky, Rav Johnny Solomon, I'm Ruven Spolter. Thank my son, Patachi Spolter. We just got a new uh, review on iTunes, five-star review. Keep it coming. It helps more people discover. And of course, feel free to share uh, some thoughts about the RZ Weekly with your friends. Write a post on Facebook. Make up a song on Instagram. You can even do a TikTok. We'll never see it, but you can do it. And uh, make it a great week. Have it. Bye, everybody. Okay.